On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Bill Gallagher from Scaling Coach. This is the official podcast of Scaling Up. If you guys have read that book, Bill Gallagher is an absolute expert when it comes to this. We had a really candid conversation about why to scale, how to scale. We talked about the Rockefeller habits, which is what Scaling Up is actually built on. It was a really, really great business conversation and just life conversation. I really appreciated his time. We just got really real throughout the conversation, and I think you guys are going to really appreciate this one. At Mindful Marketing, we know that you want your brand to be successful. In order to do that, though, you need to predictably acquire new customers. The problem is Facebook and Google are only getting more expensive, which makes you feel unsure of whether your brand will survive. We believe that building a community of loyal and repeat customers is the answer. We understand how hard it is to predictably grow a brand, which is why we have created a system using our own mid-seven-figure e-commerce brand as a test case. And here's how we do it. Number one, we execute a profitable ads strategy. Number two, we build a brand-owned loyal base of repeat customers. And number three, we grow exponentially predictably and consistently so download our free sales launch checklist at mindfulmarketing.co slash slc so you can stop having sales that bomb and instead grow your revenue predictably and exponentially for those of you who are live this is actually happening right now Bill Gallagher, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. I loved your music before. Do you want to do a tiny bit of your music, even though this is my podcast? Back into the <laughs> the music, right? I was picking <laughs> I was picking music because you said it was cloudy where you are. It's actually gray here. Here, can you see out my window? It's yes. still kind of gray out there, right? Yeah, we got that grayness going on here too. For those of you know our guests who don't know you, which I mean, probably lots of them do, um, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, why you're on my podcast. Well, I'm a recovering CEO and entrepreneur. I guess I'm still an entrepreneur because this is my business today. It's much more like a private practice. I've had four companies of my own. I've been a partner in a couple others. I've driven companies into the ground and I grew one business through 550 million early in my career. So I've had a big range of things across a wide variety of industries. And then I sort of knew for a number of years that I kind of like the coaching and teaching aspect of things. And so I said, well, when I exit this company at some point, probably then I will go be a coach. And so about eight years ago, I exited the last business and I went full-time as a coach where I'd been sort of dabbling, freelancing for some time on the side. And so now I'm a full-time coach. I've worked with thousands and thousands of, I work with thousands of companies every year in one form or another, helping them to scale up across a wide variety of industries on almost every continent. So it's really cool, really a pleasure to work in this way. That's awesome. That's me. Bill, t- tell us about the, so, so you use the scaling up framework. Is that your framework? No, it's not. It's the framework that I learned and used. And I'm one of 200 coaches. I'm one of the senior coaches. I host the weekly podcast on scaling up. I'm on the advisory council for Vern and the coaching group. So I'm very involved at a high level in the group, but there are other coaches and do this. And the scaling up framework was originally called the Rockefeller Habits and then evolved into as we added more things to the world of it. So it was the Rockefeller Habits started by this guy named Vern Harnish in an organization called the Young Entrepreneurs, YEO, 
entrepreneurs organization back in those days. Today, it's known as EO or entrepreneurs organization. The program that they did back then was called the Birthing of Giants at MIT. And that program continues even to this day and has trained thousands and thousands. So all of these things are well-developed with thousands of companies that constitute the core of scaling up and it's evolved to that. The program still goes on to this day. Today, it's called the Entrepreneurial Master's Program. But this body of scaling up started there and then has grown and gone well beyond that. We work with members of YPO, Vistage, other organizations worldwide. We help companies to scale mostly in the mid-market. I've worked with companies from very early stage through billion-dollar valuations. What is mid-market to you? That's a good question. It just means really not startup and not like Fortune 5000. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay. Or maybe, actually, maybe not Fortune 1000, because we would even call some of the ones below that might be considered mid market. I've worked now with three companies through billion dollar valuations. So, you know, that's not a small business. And we. That's not a mom and pop shop anymore, hey? Not a mom and pop shop, right? But I, but I work all the time. So I, through one program that we do, uh, we help companies get to their first million. And that's the accelerator program that we run in partnership with the Entrepreneurs Organization. And we have about 2,000 companies in that a year. Wow. And amazing. then we have public workshops and summits and online education, that kind of thing for companies between a million and say roughly 5 million US in sales. The headcount probably matters more than the sales level. And then somewhere around three to 5 million, they start to be more like our core scaling up and they'll do either a hybrid of our online plus remote coaching. And then at some point in there, they become candidates for regular sort of what we call private coaching. And we work with companies in annual contracts over a couple of years, helping them to master the four decisions of scaling up. So that's people, strategy, execution, and cash. How do we get the right people on the team and continue to evolve the way the people are on the team and they're getting the right people, upgrading the people, getting them working together well, all of that stuff. People is by far the hardest thing because people aren't particularly rational. Right. So people's the first one. Strategy is the next one. Getting a simple strategy that's also driving growth. So simple, clear strategy comprised of things like your purpose and your values that define why you do what you do and how you do it. And the brand promises, what can the market can expect from you and your core customer? Who are you actually focusing on? And we focus a lot on in the world of strategy of being different and focused. And that's really hard in the earliest stages of companies because we're just trying to figure out like who will buy anything from us, right? In the beginning, you're just like, somebody buy something from somebody, give me some money, I'll do anything. And we do a lot of things around something. And and when we start to narrow and focus in in a differentiated way, that's the beginning of scaling up strategy. And then execution is about getting sort of relentless repeatability low drama, highly profitable. We focus on teaching companies to prioritize a few things, to have great data and metric dashboards, to have a right kind of a meeting cadence to keep everybody working together well so that the owner and the leadership can pull out of the day-to-day operations. And that's largely what I used to exit my last business was applying some of this execution stuff. And then we do a lot of work with cash to optimize the Mm -hmm. cash model of the business and get better at using cash, differentiate from the market, from our competitors in the same space and do things a little bit differently and tune to have to go less outside for cash. And then the last thing, the thing that I do a little more focus focus on is what I've been writing about now for a couple of years. And that's the fifth decision, not 
officially part of scaling up. But the fifth decision is what kind of leader are you and who do you need and want to be going forward? Because so much is determined by this leader overall in these four decision areas. And through all of those, there's us, right? Who started the companies, who run the companies, who've taken them over. That's great. Bill, why is that important to you? You're writing a book about this right now. Yeah. Why is why is that fifth part so important to you? Well, I've seen earnest, sincere, hardworking leaders make all the difference. And I've seen others sabotage their best, their own personal best intentions where they want to grow. They've taken it to a place and now they can't get beyond that. And although they may have even heard Marshall Goldsmith, Goldsmith's sage wisdom that what got you here won't get you there. This notion that we need to keep evolving ourselves personally is at war with, uh, in combat with, in tension with comfort. There is a way that we've known that's gotten us to this place and we're comfortable even in both our good things and our bad things. We're comfortable with our excesses, with our vices, with our laziness, with our bad habits, as comfortable as we are with all of the fruits of our success so far. And the more fruits you have, sometimes the more stubborn you are to change. So some of our folks who've had some great things, maybe they've already bought themselves a jet, are some of the ones that are the hardest to change because they look around the world and they're like, man, I got it going on. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you go from there? Like what are these kind of leaders that you're pointing to or like, like what does that leader look like? Okay. So the, there's, I think really two parts of it in the fifth decision, we're looking at the kind of leader we need and want to be. So there is a kind of leader that you are already. Yeah. And it's really hard to map your course from here to there if you don't know where you are. So one of the first things that we want to do is bring some self-awareness. Who are you right now for others? And it doesn't matter who you are for yourself. Like, you know, we all have a way of looking in the mirror. I know that when I look at the camera this way, I'm pretty happy with the way I look, right? I've gotten you comfortable. Look great, with Bill. I look a particular <laughs> way. I've lit myself nice, right? And here I'll throw in my second angle. And I'm not nearly as happy. With this one, I can kind of see the receding hairline, the double chin, the like, you know, this is not nearly as satisfying to me is far more uncomfortable to look at myself from this angle. But we all have that. You catch yourself from others' eyes. You're not always happy with the way you look. But if you could get to see the way you are, and I'm speaking metaphorically, right, about a real phenomenon of how we look in our pictures, but the same thing is true about our companies and the way that we act as leaders. When you start to get interested in who you are for others and willing to look at that, you get your starting point. And that's what you have to work with because the world is not just relating to us with the convenient way we have of looking at ourselves to get ourselves comfortable to get through the day. But they look at us from all different angles. They see us as we walk away, right? And yeah. you want to think about that. Who are you for others and what, what have you got to work on? And it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to let go of those things, right? I'm going to keep looking the way that I look from the other angles, but I want to get comfortable with it, okay with it. I want to figure out how I'm going to deal with it. So it could be like, so years ago, I took over a company that I hadn't been the founder of. And I walked in that company and I was being coached by someone in my leadership at the time. And they said, go interview people and get to know from the others around you, right? This is like a 360 review, but maybe a little more in depth. They said, get from them what you're great at and what you're not so great at. 
what's good about you and what sucks about you, what they can count on and what they can't count on. And I heard some things in those first interviews that some of which were uncomfortable to hear, but I certainly knew them to be true. And they said, God, you will never do these things. We used to get that from our old CEO and you're not like that. And I said, oh, you know what? You're totally right. And I don't even think about that. I'm unconscious to that whole thing. I don't think about it day to day, but you're right. I'm not like that. And I'm never going to be like that. And I'm not going to work on that. Now, it's just not how I see this role and how I want to be as a leader and that kind of thing. And that's how they were. And if you need that, you should go work somewhere else because I recognize that it's a very valid criticism of me and I'm not working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And it, like, you know, from my perspective, we use Clifton Strengths in all of our businesses. I really yes. believe yes. I, I love yeah. love Clifton Strengths. And, right and for us, yeah, awesome. Right, right awesome. behind me, right? <laughs> so we really find that like we love pointy people in our organizations who are good at yes. their, you know, within their zone of genius. And for me, it's very similar that way. If as a leader, right, that I hopefully because of tools like Clifton Strengths and, and a lot of those, you know, personality typing systems, Enneagram, all of those ones that sort of allow us to get to know ourselves a little bit better and, and become self-aware. I think that those can be so powerful. Keep talking to me about this stuff, Bill. I had a question in there somewhere, but it came out more like a statement. And then you, <laughs> so here's the thing. The first thing is, is awareness. Who are you now for others, right? And then there's who you need and want to be. So those people needed me to be a particular way that I just wasn't going to be. And I was more than happy just to true it up, acknowledge it and move on from it. Sometimes there's something to go to work on or to balance with. So like you in the Clifton Strengths world, I know that I'm really strong on influence and strategy in those mm. in the groupings of things there. Yeah. And I'm really yeah. weak on relationships and execution. So I am not an operator. I'm a terrible operator. And every time I tried to like do the operations myself, the company sucked yeah. or the division yeah. or whatever it was that I was running. When I let somebody else do that part. So I'm great at like the strategy side of, of operations where I might design a system or conceive of an approach or solve a problem. But in terms of like the regular routine kinds of things, I hate that stuff. As soon as it becomes routine, I want nothing to do with it. So it's just not in my nature, but I love presenting. And then the other thing is that whole like communication, persuasion. I've got activator and command in my top five. Oh, right? you've got command. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Anybody who knows Clifton Strengths knows the other name of uh, command. So <laughs> it's a wonderful strength. I've got one of our owners at one of our companies has command and that is the person you sick on whatever problem uh, needs to, needs to get so solved. I've got <laughs> I've got command and activator. I love to get started. Amazing. I love to charge of things. But yeah. those aren't ones that develop people necessarily. Mm, mm. Command, gotcha. right? Command yeah. tells you what yeah. to do. Command is great when there's a crisis. Yeah. Command yeah. isn't great after your kids turn five, right? You have to ease up on command is really great when they're like two to five. And then somewhere in there, like you got to back way off. If you still try to be command when they're teenagers, then you're tanking your relationship with your kid. And the same is true with your employees. If you bring on command strong in the beginning of the new hire thing, do this, do that, do this in this way, and then you don't learn to back off, you're going to have a real problem. Now, when in a real crisis, right, tornado blows the roof off your building, command is a great one to have. And it's not a common one. It's unusual to have in your top five. It takes a yeah. certain kind of chutzpah, ego, arrogance, like whatever to be command. It's, it's the general strength, right? So yeah. 
And it sucks to be command if you're not the general. Let me tell you, anytime I wasn't (laughs) early in my career, when I didn't have any authority, it sucked. So anyway, all of those things are relevant. So thinking about, okay, I want to lean into this. I want to work on that. I don't want to work on that. Thinking about what kind of leader you need to be and what kind is required for the situation, because maybe it's not you. And maybe you need to empower and respect something else. So like, you know, all that, like making sure everybody's included, the woo, the consensus stuff the restorative. I got none of that in my Mm. top. Those are all like all the bottom things for me. So I really struggle with that. I'm used to feeling sort of separate, distinct, and the ego and the arrogance is really high with me. So knowing that I've got some room to think about how I want to evolve my character as a leader over time. Think about yourself as a character or a role to play within the story of your life, the story of your business. The next thing that there is to do is to think about how you want to be at the end of the game. So if you imagine that your life turned out, that your business turned out, that everything went really, really well, and that you overcame your obstacles, there's a certain kind of character that went through that that was you. What do you want said about that character in the final analysis, right? And one of the easiest, best ways to do this is imagine either your retirement party, or if you've really got some comfort with yourself and life, imagine your memorial service, right? Mm -hmm. You're dead and gone. The people who loved you, who mattered to you, gather around, and they all say nice things about you. They remember the very best qualities and stories about you, and then they go have lunch. And that's your life, man, right there. And then they're picking over which cold cuts they like. So that's kind of our lives. And then everything that we stood for, like the things you built, somebody else now owns them, they pass on and that kind of thing. But the things that you created, you left with people in their hearts and their souls as a memory, as a set of values, that's what you're known for. So you want to think about what do you really care about? And I bet if it's like it was for me as it is for many of you and our listeners and viewers here, when I thought about who I wanted to be at the end of my life, of a long and successful life, what I wanted people to say is that I was one of the good guys, that I was somebody who was generous, who made a difference for people. Hey guys, do you want the checklist that helped me generate $250,000 of e-commerce sales in 24 hours? If so, we're giving it away for free at mindfulmarketing.co slash SLC. Download that today. And then when I looked back at my life and I thought about all the core people in my life, my wife, my kids, the people I worked with, my mom and my dad, my siblings, I realized that I kept everybody at a distance. Now, I was in my best moments generous. I was in my best moments a contribution. I was in my best moments that. But I spent a lot of time keeping people at a distance. So one of the first things I had to grapple with is who I wanted to be in the final analysis. I wasn't consistently in the here and now with everyone around me. So mm-hmm. my life suddenly was altered in a matter of a few months. I it, Well, in a moment, something shifted and I realized I needed to change something. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I realized that people were deeply missing in my life. So I called my mom up and I apologized for keeping her at a distance. And my relationship with my mom was completely reborn. 
And, uh, and I have a great relationship, but I kept my mom at a distance for 20 years after my parents split up. Right. And then there was like a ripple, my relationship with my wife and with my daughter and with the people I worked with and like all kinds of things started to change. I became interested in being a coach instead of just thinking about how to persuade people and get them to do things I wanted and figure out how to get what I wanted. So instead of just using the communication and strategic stuff to get what I wanted, I started thinking about how to really be a leader who made a difference for others. Now, making a difference is not anywhere in my Gallup strengths. I use my Gallup strengths, those core strengths. So the leader that I was is very influence oriented and very strategic in nature and not so much the others, but the why of all of it, right? Is something else that you want to think about. And you really want to then inspect, is it truly at play? Because it wasn't consistently. So being a leader who makes a difference for others dramatically changed everything. I changed the company I was leading, the way that I operated in the world. And I had a lot of work to do. I spent a lot of years working about on how to be a coach. I spent a lot of years working on listening. If you know the communication thing from the world of the Gallup strengths, it's about putting ideas into words. It's not actually about communication, the broadest sense of like the give and take and the, the back and forth. It has nothing to do with listening. So I've really had to learn to when to listen, how to listen, that kind of thing and build structures for it because uh, it's not what I naturally do. I naturally think I know everything. I naturally just fill the silence with my voice. If you can't tell, I've been talking for how long now? <laughs> you know, I appreciate your vulnerability with all of this. I appreciate the heart behind it because I feel like what happens and I, you know, I talk to tons of e-commerce founders all the time and a lot of them get to this point where it's generally where they're making about, you know, profiting about a million dollars a year, right? That was their goal. Yeah. That was that thing that they went after. That's freedom. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's that, that whole freedom idea. And then they realize that's not what they wanted or yes. that it didn't actually fulfill that ache that they had inside of them that was actually maybe going to be filled by actual purpose, not just, you know, money in your bank account. Your first notion of success is usually a mirage yeah. of your own invention, right? That thing, oh, I just wanted that. And then you get there and you're like, wait, I'm supposed to be happy. I remember when I had that whole insight, I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I, you know, I want to have a family. I had two young kids. I was married. We had a nice house. We had three businesses. I was miserable, not winning. I felt trapped. Like, mm. huh, this is everything I said I wanted. This is the things I prayed for, right? I have it now. I'm not happy. And I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm failing. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe setting different goals. I don't know. What's the answer for you? I, I feel like you've explained a little bit about that, but like, what is that answer? Is it just aiming yourself in a different direction or really taking that like bigger perspective of your life? I think the goals actually fit in something that's deeper, the, a context for your life. So if you get the purpose of your life, your reason for getting up in the morning, your reason for living a long life at the life level, the leader, the style of leader and all of that falls out pretty naturally from it. So there really is an opportunity to consider your character and how you want your story to end and then start to work back, like planning with the end in mind, planning from the future back to the present. How did I want to end up? Who did I want to be? And actually invent and create yourself, invent and create yourself newly every day, really. But in this larger context, that's where the skills that we apply and way, the way we apply them shift and show up very, very differently. So it's not simply about getting what I want. It's about being a shining example of something, about creating something 
visibly in the world uh, generously. So one of the things that I used to do a lot of, I don't hardly do it anymore, is fly small airplane. And it's an expensive, time-consuming hobby to be good and safe at it. You need to stay sharp and that kind of thing, right? It, and flying small airplanes is is expensive. So I used to spend that. Well, as soon as I saw that I wanted my life to be about making a difference, the first thing I did was beyond the family and like that, but in the other, like the hobbies and rituals and routines of my life, is I created a program to take kids flying. Now, there already existed a structure for this. Other people had done it. I didn't invent the thing, but it didn't exist. It wasn't being run at my airport with the other pilots. So we started this initiative within the, under the auspices of the EAA or the Experimental Aircraft Organization, a program called Young Eagles. We brought it to the Oakland airport. And then we started enhancing all the programs in the wider Bay Area. Over the time of the program, we got a whole bunch of pilots to offer their airplanes and take kids flying. We took over a thousand kids flying. So I took something I love doing, a passion, and I brought some purpose to it. I combined the two things and then I started living in the zone. Like that place where effort and flow and joy and fulfillment and play like all intersect and my life is just working. And now my copier guy comes in to fix the copier in my office and he looks at me, he goes, hey, aren't you the flying guy who takes the kids out of the program? Now I'm not just a guy who screws up his copier. I'm a guy who's out doing something great in the world in the eyes of somebody I don't even know before, right? That changes dramatically your relationship, your leverage, your power, the way the world relates to you. And the way the world relates to you gives you a tremendous amount of room to maneuver. We expect things from leaders that we don't expect from, you know, a guy in a diner. And when you show up in that way and when you're regarded as a leader who stands for something, right, that you believe in, you have tremendous power with people and you can do way bigger things than you could do on your own. If you can engage lots of people, you are a leader. If you could engage lots of people doing things that are aligned with your purpose and your values tied to your business, you've got a powerful business. So- mm -hmm. It's hard to do that if you don't know who you are, what you want, and if you haven't dealt with how you already show up in the world, if you're simply walking around in a self-delusional fashion, like we all do from time to time, even, you know, we all if do. we've had a <laughs> we all do because we're human beings in spite of our best plan. Oh, Bill, this has been a great conversation. We're, we're actually getting kind of close to my time limits today. I got to ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on this podcast, what is your secret to scaling? Well, my secret to scaling is is knowing what you want, right? So you got to figure out what you want and and everything else like what kind of team do you want? What kind of business do you want to be in? How do you want it to operate? What kind of money do you need to make? Really, it's up to you to say. And you could have anything that you want if you're willing to play the game in the right way. So figuring out what you want is maybe first. I also love that question from the opposite side. We're doing a few acquisitions right now. And uh, and that's the question I ask every single time to the owner. Just like, just tell me what you want. Because yes. it's just such a powerful really question. Are. Well, we're afraid. There's like the FOMO, right? Oh, I don't want to just tell you what I want, like how much money I want or what I want the business to look like or whatever, because I'm afraid I might leave something out the table or I'm afraid if I tell you, you'll take advantage of me mm. or, you know, there's a great deal of fear and proclaiming what you want in the world. Look, if you go and ask like a, a little kid what they want, 
in any domain, they'll be like, you know, I want to fly to the moon or I want to do this or that. They'll say the most grand things. And then we begin to narrow down more and more and we're more strategic. And we don't say, I want to marry that person. We're like, oh, they're kind of interesting. We get because we're so afraid of being hurt, of being taken advantage of, of all that kind of thing. And that happens over a lifetime of unfortunate lessons that over time erode our freedom, our power, our self-expression, everything that we have and hold dear. And so there is something about getting back to that earlier state, being like a little kid again, free to give yourself fully to all of it with courageous authenticity. Mm, that's great. I love that. We're going to move on to our lightning round here. I've got just a couple more questions. Lightning round. Yes. Yeah. I need like, like lightning round. <laughs> it's actually like, this is actually super calm, but uh, you know, I got to call it something exciting. <laughs> what is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Oh, my favorite tool or app. Uh, StreamYard, I would say, is where we've been doing our streaming now. Let's me multi-stream on, on you know, Facebook, et cetera. So we go out live on all places at once. Yes. I love when I was on your podcast. I actually, I've been meaning to implement that uh, for this podcast as well, because I think it's just absolutely wonderful. That's great. Favorite podcast or potentially audiobook you've been listening to? Oh, so there's a there's one that I haven't gotten over yet. I haven't finished it, but I, I keep going back to it. The Better Angels of Our Nature. Oh. And here, let me pull up and tell you the full reference. And it just is about how, in spite of how things look in any given moment, we're actually doing better and better as a species. Steven Pinker, The Better Angels of Our Nature, Why Violence Has Declined. And there's a lot of retelling of the gory history of humanity. And it's really pretty horrifying how much violence and slavery and torture and just horrible crap in in humanity's history. But we actually are on a pretty great trajectory on the whole, and we keep becoming better over time. So in spite of how we go through like waves of things and it looks terrible and that kind of thing, that our advancement as a species is is kind of cool. So I anyway, there you go. <laughs> That's great. Sounds very hopeful. <laughs> Uh, wonderful. Now, last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody who's alive, have, you know, a glass of beer, maybe some wine, coffee, tea, whatever it is there that you want to drink with them, who would it be? You know, here's an interesting thing. I think that some of the people that we most admire are often not the most fun people to hang out with. Hmm. So like we can learn a lot from Steve Jobs about being an iconic leader, innovative. We can learn a lot from Elon Musk. I'm not sure they're the most fun people to hang out with. They might challenge us, but being comfortable is maybe not necessarily the goal. I would love to have dinner with or, or get to know Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter is widely regarded as a failed leader, right? In the political sense, he's you know, he served his term and he, he wasn't, he was regarded as weak and that kind of thing. But if you look about a guy who feels really great about his life and who's made in the grand total of his life, something that he's very proud of, he's clearly one of them. Right. Mm. So he'd be one that who's still alive, thank God. And, and then I would love to see what he's done with every ounce of his strength and that kind of thing. I mean, he's, I don't know if he's still doing it, but until recently he's been building homes for poor people, yeah. um, yeah. leading that kind of thing. So, that's a great example. But some of the other people that I might be stimulated and learn from that I study like that are, are a little less fun. I would love to, I haven't met, 
a Richard Branson. I have friends who know Richard Branson, but I haven't personally met. I've been in Richard Branson's house. Oh, have you? <laughs> I have. He wasn't there at the time, but I have. <laughs> he was away. But anyway, I think he's a really interesting, charismatic leader and who follows his heart and his muse and makes things better. And he works. He appears to work with empowering, making bold moves strategically and so on and making things better, bringing a little zest to all of them. But he also seems to work really well in terms of empowering other people, not being like a totally hands-on micromanager. And I think that's kind of interesting, too. Great, great answers. Bill, where can people find out more about you and uh, more about Scaling Coach? So scalingcoach.com is our website. My workshops are there. I'll give you a copy of the book for free there if you pay the shipping and handling, scalingcoach.com. We have about 250 episodes of our podcast on all things to do with scaling up there. Um, great, so you can great, down- uh, you have yep. great guests, I know, so- Fantastic guests, right? We did the show with you very recently. And we talked about community building. And so anyway, it's all there at scalingcoach.com, our private coaching offerings, hybrid stuff, like all that, scalingcoach.com. Awesome. Bill, thanks for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Really love um, the authenticity that you brought today. And this is just wonderful. Thanks. It's our first value, courageous authenticity for the company. So I'm glad it showed up. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.